0: We light four candles to remind us of hope, faith, joy, and peace. Now we light the center candle, the Christ candle, to remind us that Jesus is not only at the center of the Christmas story, but that he is at the center of every story and everything. As we celebrate his birth, we also await his return. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus reveals to us, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. May the light of Christ's presence burn so brightly in our hearts that we will do all we can to love one another as he loves us and to bring that love to every person, family, a nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning again and Merry Christmas. It is so good to have all of you here. We didn't really know whether to expect many folks to come at our 915 service this morning and uh, pleasantly surprised to see that all of you got up early enough on Christmas Eve to be here. So thank you for coming. We're delighted to have you at River Oaks. Just a word to those here this morning who... um, may not have a church home, word about who we are. Every Sunday morning we meet at 9:15 and 11, and we have special emphasis on our ministries for children. Noah's Ark is for our preschoolers, and we have Kids Rock going on to the gym, which is our church for elementary age children, and then typically on Sunday evening, our youth will meet here at the church, of course not a meeting this night, nor next Sunday, Christmas Eve, but... Uh, we'll start back up in January, so if you don't have a church home, we'd be uh, delighted to have you come back. If you open your bulletin for a moment, you'll see uh, a kind of a, a different look if you haven't noticed this before, but on the left-hand panel, you'll see something we call our discipleship pathway, and if you're thinking about how to to grow more in your relationship with God in the new year, I would particularly note this because we we believe these four steps, as we worship together, grow in a group, serve on a team, go with a mission, are vital steps in our progress towards spiritual maturity for a closer relationship with God. We'll uh, talk more about that, unfold that a bit during the month of January. So uh, again, we'd invite you to come back with us. Also, if you would note, these Hey, I'm Here cards, the perforated strip, we always appreciate it if you fill those out. If you've got a prayer request going into the new year, uh, feel free to write it there. People really do read and pray over these requests. We will not be passing baskets for the offering or for these cards today, but they will be at the door uh, as you exit because we're going to be passing the communion elements in uh, just a little bit here as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Well, before we begin the message, I'd like to take just a moment today to see how many of you here have been reading your Bible carefully over the last year, particularly the Christmas story found uh, in the Gospel of Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. So I'd like to start with just a brief little Christmas quiz this morning. You'll see a question on the screen with five multiple-choice answers. And uh, just to see who's been reading their Bible carefully, uh, who was it that saw the star in the east? Was it the shepherds? Was it Mary and Joseph? Was it kings from the Orient? How many would say it was both A and C? Anybody? How many are too embarrassed to put up your hand and take a chance on it? Okay. <laughs> How about none of the above? Well, the answer, anybody pick none of the above? Some of you are accustomed to multiple choice tests, and you know if there's a none of the above, there's a high percentage chance that's it. Matthew 2 and verse 2 says, Wise men uh, came saying, Where is he? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So that would be none of the above. How about another question? What sign did the angels tell the shepherds to look for? The answer to this one is found in Luke chapter 2, a star over Bethlehem, star over the stable, a heavenly host, no vacancy sign, none of the above. How many think it's the star over Bethlehem? Very few hands on that, wow. Again, it's none of the above, Luke chapter 2 and verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That was a sign for the shepherds, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Thirdly, the wise men, that is the Magi, found Jesus in a manger. Who said manger? House? Stable? Hampton Inn? How many say we don't know? <laughs> You're wrong this time. <laughs> they found him in a house. Matthew 2, 11 says, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. Matthew 2 and verse 11. How many wise men or magi, could use either, either term, came to see Jesus? How many would say one? How many would say five? How many would say three? Most of you. How many would say twelve? A dozen? How many would say we don't know? Oh, a lot of got that too. The Bible doesn't say. We assume there are three because there were three gifts. Kind of like the picture you see on the screen of the uh, three. uh, We Three Kings of Orient are just a Christmas hymn. It's just a famous song. And I think that's why we think there were three kings, three kings from the Orient. Actually, there were just three gifts that were mentioned, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. But every manger set, every nativity set I've ever seen has how many wise men? Three. 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 Unless you have the ceramic kind and one of them is broken like the kind I grew (laughs) up with or maybe a wooden set and your dog has chewed one of them. number may vary over the years a little bit. But I do think we need to read our Bibles more in this coming year by the show of hands I saw, (laughs) a little more carefully. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You'll see it on the screen. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? wise, these magi? Well, first and foremost, they were seekers of God. As the scripture says in Matthew 2 and verse 1, these wise men, or these magi, some of your Bible versions may read, came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We don't know a lot about who they really were. They may have been, commentators say, people who studied the stars, astronomers or astrologers. They were likely influential people, and people with the means to travel significant uh, distances. Later, church history uh, suggests that they were kings, and uh, in fact, church tradition um, actually, gave names to them some centuries later Melchior from Persia, Balthazar from Arabia, and Gaspar from India. But that's just church tradition years after the event. We do know this they were not Jewish, they were Gentiles, which is a remarkable thing because typically the Jews were the ones who were looking for the Messiah to come because they had the Old Testament scriptures. But most importantly, Most important of all, they were seekers. They came seeking. And as such, they became an example to all of us for all time of the value of seeking God. Do you know the Bible is filled with promises about the importance of seeking God and the fact that those who seek him will find him? The words on the screen are from the prophet Jeremiah, speaking for God. He said, you will seek me and find me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. The writer of the book of Hebrews said this, and without faith, it's impossible to please him, meaning please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You may be here this morning and you may not be certain whether you're really a Christian or not. Or maybe you 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 say, I, I felt like I did know God, but this year somehow I've, fallen back, I've fallen away, I want to assure you that the Bible is very clear in its promise that those who seek him will find him. I believe that any person anywhere in the world who truly seeks to know God and to know his will will find him. God may use a star to guide them like he did with the Magi. For those of us who are believers, we never really stop seeking to know God better and love Him more. And we seek Him primarily by going to the Scripture He's given us, where He's revealed Himself. We seek Him by praying. We seek Him by coming together to worship together. And as we say in our discipleship pathway, to grow in a group and serve on a team and go with a mission. The Magi were seekers of God. Secondly, they were wise because... They recognized and worshiped Jesus. It's a remarkable thing that these influential magi, these wise men, whoever they were, who apparently had wealth and some degree of education, that when they came to the house where by this time Mary was with the child Jesus, they fell down on the ground and worshiped a little child. It's a remarkable thing, and it's an early sign pointing to the fact that Jesus was more than a mere human teacher, a mere prophet, or a good man. He was God the Son, the Son of God. And somehow these seekers recognized that. They humbled themselves, and they worshiped Jesus, and then they gave him these three gifts, and they were unusual gifts to give to a child. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why would you bring those gifts to a small child? I think the significance of these gifts is what they represent about who Jesus was and what he would do. Gold has been called the Medal of Kings. When archaeologists dig up a tomb and they find a lot of gold, things covered in gold in there, they often assume this person was royalty because gold has been considered the medal of kings. Why would they bring him frankincense, type of incense? Because this was used in Old Testament worship when priests would bring sacrifices to God, they would offer it with this type of incense. The frankincense spoke of the role that jesus would one day have as our great high priest that one day we'd no longer have to go to a temple and offer sacrifices through a human priest but jesus would be the mediator the intercessor the representative before god so that the bible says to those who know him we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God, therefore we can come with confidence before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Jesus would be the one and only great high priest. Why would they bring him myrrh? Myrrh was used in Jewish burials. The Gospel of John chapter 19 tells us that after Jesus' body was taken down from the cross, a man named Nicodemus came. He was a Pharisee who had come to know Jesus. And he took down the body of Jesus, he took the body of Jesus rather when it had come off the cross, and he brought with him 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body of Jesus. Jews treated the human body at death with great dignity, and he wanted to treat the body of Jesus that way. So he brought 75 pounds of myrrh and put this with the body of Christ in his burial to honor him, to honor his body in that way. So the myrrh was symbolic that Jesus would not only be a king and a high priest, he would be the crucified Savior. The Magi not only were seekers, but they recognized who Jesus was, and they worshiped him appropriately. But finally, they were wise because they obeyed God. Herod summoned the wise men we saw in this passage and determined what time the star had appeared, and then Herod gave these wise men a mandate. He said, go and search diligently, and when you found the child, come and tell me so I can go and worship him. However, verse 12 of that passage says, the magi, the wise men, were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, not to tell him where they'd found the child, so they departed to their own country by another route. They obeyed God instead of Herod. Now, Herod, Bible commentators have quite a bit to say about this particular Herod. They describe him as a murderous, evil, wicked man who had his favorite wife executed, had her two sons strangled, had one of his own sons executed, so that Caesar Augustus would say of this particular Herod, It would be better to be Herod's pig than his son because he was so bloodthirsty. And and all we have to do is see what he did to learn this. In verse 16, the Bible says, Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years older under. According to the time that he'd ascertained from the wise men. Can you believe somebody would do something so wicked and evil and ungodly? That was this man Herod. But the wise men, the magi, the ones who came seeking God, the ones who worshiped Jesus, now chose to express their worship by obeying God. Genuine worshipers seek to do what God says, even if it comes at a cost, the cost for them was the risk they were taking, the risk of their very own lives by obeying God. In doing this, I think the Magi become a, a beautiful example to us about the value of seeking God, recognizing His provision of the Savior Jesus and worshiping Him. And then expressing our worship by following him, obeying him, doing what he says to do. The Magi didn't know everything this child would do and be. But in the gifts that they brought, they were able to point us to the roles that Jesus would fill. He would become the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He would become our great high priest, our representative before God. And in the myrrh that they brought, they're pointing to the fact that he would become our crucified Savior. When Jesus was 33 years old, at the appropriate time, he would allow himself to be arrested. He would allow himself to be taken by the Roman guards and spit upon and beaten and scourged and flogged until there were stripes across his body, he would allow himself to be brutally nailed to a cross and left there to die in agony and public humiliation while the soldiers cast lots for his few earthly possessions. There on the cross, though, he would be fulfilling prophecy that David read for us earlier. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned, every one of us, to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquities of us all. Our judgment laid on Jesus on the cross. His body was taken down, wrapped in the myrrh and aloes, laid in a tomb. But on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. He appeared to his followers and to hundreds of others. And he lives today. And he calls those of us who know him to follow him. And like the Magi, to be willing to do what God says to do as we express our worship and obedience to Him. But He also called us to to follow Him by observing something He's given us to do, something that would forever visibly and tangibly remind us of the central focus of His birth and coming, His death on a cross. We call this the Lord's Supper or Communion. The Apostle Paul wrote of it with these words, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant or New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In just a moment, we'll pass out to you the bread and the cup and invite you to partake of these. All are welcome. You don't have to be a member of River Oaks to celebrate communion here. We'd invite all to participate. However, in light of these words on the screen, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I think it's important that before we partake of communion, we be certain that we... Note the seriousness of it and understand that it is intended for those who have by faith embraced Jesus' saving work on the cross, that we have accepted him as our Lord and our Savior. We're going to take a moment uh, to pray and search our own hearts uh, just before the elements are distributed to you. But I would just say to you, you you may not be sure whether you're a Christian, and if you're not, this would be a wonderful time to simply ask God to, to apply to your life the saving work that Jesus did on the cross. So would you join me now as we pray together? Father, we come now in the name of Jesus and invite you to work in our hearts to speak to us to prepare us for the celebration of the Lord's Supper.